Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 153rd episode of the Truth Island podcast. People have been separated since the beginning of time by religion, nationality, race, gender, age, geography, social class, and language. When gazing upon a colony of ants, no one ever seems to distinguish between the eastern and western ants or trouble themselves in knowing which are the poor ants from the rich ants. When we see ants, we just see ants, indistinguishable from one another. It is most likely that if another force is gazing down upon us, they too view us the same way that we happen to view ants. They probably don't care what landmass we've settled on, the language we are speaking, or how many followers we have on Instagram. We're simply just plain old boring humans. And yet most of us can't help but look at another human being and brand them with some type of label. That's a smart person. That's a rich person. That's an attractive person. That's an ugly person. It's safe to assume that there is no baby that emerges from the womb that is capable of making such judgments. So where is all of this stuff learned? Some people speculate from our parents, others from the friends that we choose in school, and others claim the geography in which we are born. While technology has allowed for far more diverse groups of people to communicate and exchange ideas than what was previously thought possible, is there perhaps a limit to which all humans can coexist with one another? For instance, the internet has taught us that a person obsessed with anime probably shares a lot more in common with someone living in Japan than their next door neighbor. A question arises, if human beings should perhaps be stored by a different standard than simply the random circumstances to which they are born, or maybe different people rubbing elbows with one another is exactly what the doctor has ordered. Joining me to help discuss if and how we should be bringing people together, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, let me just start by asking you this. What type of people do you personally seek out in your life? None. (laughs) (laughs) Problem solved. Everyone just live alone. Go into a cave. Take yourself right now. Go into a cave and just shut off the the humanity and you'll be perfect. Total Henry Thoreau style. The Martians are coming. The Martians are coming. Um, No. Uh, Good answer, by the way. (laughs) Well, I thank you, sir. No, I, uh, I mean, but that is honest. I really actively seek out people is not something that I do, but I do, I do know what you mean in the sense of, you know, there's a certain kind of people that you kind of jive with easier. I, I, a certain kind of people that I jive with easier, you know, and uh, um, they're usually very laid back people, people who don't take themselves, you know, too seriously and the, the like, but, um, but it's, it's yeah. Those, it's just it's just how it, it's just how it seems to be for me. Um, but the, and the question to whether you know human beings can come together and should come together and how and how 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 that's possible is an interesting one for me. And, uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a yes and a no. It's a yes and a no for me. I like I like your answer about liking to hang out with laid back people and. Recently, that's actually started to make a lot of sense to me because I guess I kind of used to admire highly ambitious people, people who were 
wanting to go places and like, but thinking back to our, our series on evil, those people who are very ambitious also tend to be really controlling. They like to superimpose their way of life onto others. And I realize that that can be a force for destruction. So again, maybe 10 years ago, I liked people who were ambitious and highly controlling because, and here was my thought process. Those people are going somewhere or those people have a a vision, right? They have like a vision for better humanity. What ends up happening is over time, you start to realize that these people with a better vision for humanity just kind of want a better vision for themselves. And they're, they don't necessarily care about having a better vision for you. Yeah, I mean, it's even possible. I mean, even some of my friends who are, you know, laid back. And uh, when I say laid back, I mean, it's not like, you know, they're just sitting down on the couch and, yeah, man, pass me the Doritos, bro. No, it's... <laughs> 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 it's more like you know um they are um extremely not extremely but they are friendly they are um, um they don't really consider themselves to be the most important being on the face of the earth and it's not something they actively think about it's just a consequence of, of their character and so there's this aspect to them that you can actually sit down and you can make jokes. Um, you can you can talk about anything without somebody getting riled up, at least too riled up. And uh, it's it's usually it's usually much more fun to be around people like this, um, people who are yeah. But but here's the thing: people like that can still have ambition, but they've learned how to pocket it aside when you know when it's not. They know not to allow allow it to control their life. To control and to, and to mold them into this grotesque creature. You can have ambition, just don't be an ass. So that, that, that's the reason. That's the, that's the reason, and it's one of the, those one of the reasons of well, that's the reason I like them and why, why I like one um, um those kinds of those kinds of people. Yeah, I, I think also hidden within that is a certain mastery of one's ego. And here, here's how I'm thinking about this: if you haven't mastered your ego you're very egocentric and your vision and the things that you want take supremacy, right? So let's just say that you've got a party and there's this one guy there and he wants like a specific type of beer or he just wants this type of music to be playing. Like he's like, I really want to listen to 80s music. I love 80s music. I want to play 80s music. He's not cognizant of what the other people at that party might like. Everyone might be dancing to whatever's playing, but this guy is just trapped in his own world and he wants to, he wants to control and dominate that party, right? And, there, and then, the, and I'm thinking about well, what's causing this desire for control. It's, it's an inability to fight your own ego because if you fought your own ego, you'd be like, whoa, Everyone at this party is extremely happy right now. They're dancing. They're, there's joy in their eyes, joys in their faces. I'm the problem. Mm. I am the problem. I need to kind of just quietly sit, and I, I need to kind of calibrate myself and adjust to this. So yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I think you're describing people who have come a long way in fighting their own egos so that they can be adaptable to whatever is going on around them. Yeah. Ego is a hell of a drug. <laughs> um, I think that's. A, I think you're right. The ego, it's not an easy thing in the sense that 
even if I say that ego is not a good thing, I know that I still have ego. You know what I mean? And what I know is not a good thing, at least in the, in the sense in which we're speaking. This idea that your your perspective, your point of your 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 place in the universe is somehow far more important than others. As far as somehow, I mean, to the point where the, your example is really is a really good one because that's how it works. It gets to the place where we're so disillusioned, we think that somebody else's party should somehow cater to us. Well, throw your own damn party, you know. But no, it, it's it's a very it's a very dangerous thing, and this is one of the this is ego is ego is one of the reasons that human beings find it very hard to work together to come together, because no matter how um, no matter how much how much incentive there is, whether it's world peace, whether it's you know um, to end uh, world hunger, to end whatever it may be you find that even in spite of our common goals, we have individuals and not just, I'm not talking one or two or three, I'm talking, well, billions, billions of individuals who are still so self-interested and who are so self, um, self-conceited and self-deceived to the point where they, they're still grasping for power. They're still grasping for, you know, for, for, for an upper hand in every situation. And uh, this is, unless this, this is, and this is, this is the way of man. This is, this is part of who we are and how we, are. I mean, teenagers, teenagers nowadays, you know, um, I've seen, I've seen in this country, teenagers who, you know, yell at their mom or slam the door or tell say things like you know i hate you or i i never want to speak to you again or it's your fault it's like first of all who and who who the hell are you you're like what you i mean you're and then this applies to everybody but to really teenagers and kids which especially you're like these tiny beings that a banana peel could take out you know, you just fall the wrong way and crack your head on a porcelain bowl and it's done. And here you are looking your mother in the face and screaming at her as though she is some, you know, as, as though she's your playmate on, you know, a, you know, at school or something. And as though she's here from somehow for your convenience. Um, and this is it. Start it starts as it starts as kids. We nurture it as teenagers, and we just we just run with it. By the time we're adults, and all hell breaks loose. Man, absolutely. You know, I started my teaching career in 2011, and I was saying these things back in 2011. And everyone, Aaron, you're just don't worry about it. Just chillax, dude. Don't worry about it. And like, look where we are. Where we are a decade later, right? And I was saying these things in, in 2011. I said, a society in which children do not have reverence or respect for good adults. I mean, there are there are some corrupt, bad adults, and, and that you know we need to call them out on it. But generally speaking, most of the adults I worked with were decent-hearted people. Perfect? No, no, no one's perfect. And the fact that we allowed uh, the world to get to such a place where children just fundamentally do not respect good-hearted adults 
that is a huge problem. I think that's a separate discussion. And, you know, I think we'll do another podcast on that. I kind of want to get to an issue, um, like a fundamental changing of my mind when it comes to the ego, though. So when I was younger, I used to believe that people sorted themselves by interest. So if I was really into philosophy, I would hang out with philosophy people. If I was into anime, I would hang out with anime. If I was into football, football, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to realize that there's something even more important than just the stuff that you're interested in. And that is, are you a decent person? Are you a good person? And, and, and when I say good person, in this context, let's define that as having a very low self-assent, like a, a very, like control of one's ego. And here's why. Let's just say I'm very interested in philosophy, but I'm hanging around a bunch of douchebag philosophers who cannot see my point of view or don't want to have a a discussion about anything. They're, They're just addicted to whatever it is that they believe in. That's highly unpleasant, right? Even though they may be well read, even though they may have university degrees, because they have not, they don't have control over their own ego, it's impossible for me to actually sit down and have a discussion with them because they don't have control of their own ego and they don't hear a damn thing that comes out of my mouth. And that's highly unpleasant. Like, I don't care how much we have in common. I don't care if we play the same video games. I don't care if you've watched Dragon Ball Z. You know, if you, if I can't sit down with you and have a conversation with you, doesn't mean you, and when I say conversation, that doesn't mean you just submit to whatever I'm saying, but you need to at least hear me. You got to hear me. And that that is starting to become the, um, I think that is becoming the true division in society of those the, the, those who are active, who are genuinely acting in good faith and want and see other people and those who only see themselves. Yeah, for me, it's, I, 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 I totally agree in the sense of the interests, are, interests are too shallow to keep people together. Interests, interests, common interests make you interested in each other. But it's not the interest that keeps the friendship going. It's something else. It's the heart of the matter. It's the uh, it's the character of the persons of the individuals. And um, yeah, the idea. Uh, I I was actually I was literally talking to a friend about this last night. It was last no the night before. Excuse me. And it, it's it's you you had said it really well. It's the good it's good people. It's people you enjoy being around. You know, like I don't care if we can. You, I don't care if we can talk about you know the, the the secrets of the universe, and we have let's let's just even say we have the same ideas, and we enjoy and we enjoy those. Uh, we both enjoy those ideas. But if we're too, if if if, if I'm dealing with an if, with an asshat, you know, or if I'm being an asshat, nobody's no. It's going to be hard for one to you know to want to be to be interested in me, to to enjoy being around me. And being asshat is is really boring. So it's 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 a uh, it's people who are very open hearted. People who are that we no no I would say people we enjoy. It's it's important that you enjoy your friends. It's important that you enjoy the people around you. Like you can you sit down with them and the hours go by and you wonder where where does the time go? You don't you want to see them the next day. You want to see them whenever the opportunity arises. It's not a pain. You don't say to yourself, oh boy. Here I go again. You know, here we go again. One more hour, two more hours with this bollocks. You want to be around them, 
And I think that's 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 important. That's that's important for me. It's the enjoyment of my friends, the enjoyment of the people that uh, that I associate with. I think that's really beautiful, by the way. Um, just, and I like your criteria because what I'm finding is that the people in this world who time, like I have people that I have plenty in common with, but time is going kind of slowly when I'm hanging out with them because they, they believe in their things. I believe in, you know, it, it just, there's no, there's no like, like nothing is being exchanged. Like I think that true friendship requires an exchange of something and if you're only in your own world all the time then there's no there's no exchange going on and and that just makes the time tedious and boring because you know that if i spend two hours with you three hours with you four hours with you nothing is being exchanged whatsoever so you know, when we when we see all these commercials, like I think of that Coca-Cola 70s commercial where the whole world is singing Kumbaya and everyone yeah. is, is coming together and there's oh, people yeah. all over the world, different races, different nationalities and ethnicities. Yeah. It seems like people are not really divided that much about like the external things. It just seems like if you're a good person, you're going to make it work with other good people, regardless of where you're from, regardless of what country you're from. Like just the good people will just make it work. And the bad people, no matter how much the bad people have in common, they just will destroy each other. They'll just eat each other. So on one hand, like it's good to know this information. It's good to know that I should just seek out good people and and enjoy it. But on the other hand, it's quite depressing to know that there's like this huge swath of humanity that just cannot be saved or or can they be saved yeah i mean it's not it's not i would say it's you know it'll be misguided it'll be misguided to say that it can't be saved and it'll be a little bit arrogance too because every human being no human beings are no different in the sense of um, the fundamental jellies right we eat we we want to be loved we sleep, we poop, you know, we want money, we want sex, we want, you know, people to recognize us. And we want, uh, eventually, when, when we've, you know, it's at some point in our lives, we want something to love, something to give our attention to. So people usually go for cat and dog. And then, you know, if circumstances curse them, they have a baby. And so... <laughs> <laughs> So I think, you know, fundamentally, we're, 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 we're very similar. And, you know, all, a lot of the characteristics that make us, that make us uh, a little bit, how you say, tolerable, those people who are much more enjoyable than others, some of them, some of it is very, it's not even by their own doing, it's just by the parents that they, that they happen to have, the cities they were happen to be born in, the country they were, you know, that they happen to be inhabiting. And these external forces um, help them to become these these generally interesting and enjoyable people, while others is a flip side. I'm not saying that nobody's responsible for who they turn out to be, that's not true at all. I would say that we are largely responsible for who you turn out to be. But I'm saying that there are factors, like if your body is obese, Often it's because you've been eating a lot of ho hos, but if you if if you have scratches on your knees, 
it's because you, at some point you had to learn to walk. At some point there was a table in a living room that you bumped into. And that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily your fault. It's the environment that's, it's the environment that's affected your body in that sense. But that's a small scratch. You know what I mean? My point is that, that that's, that's as much as the world often influences us. It's just in, in small scratches here and there or small pats on the backs here and there. But for the most part of the situation, we are largely in control of who we, who we turn out to be. So my, my, I would say that people, yes, anybody can change. Anybody can grow. Anybody can be saved. I would say that with confidence. Now, can we all change, grow, and be saved at the same exact time? Boom. No. Hell no. That's not how life works. Life is more spontaneous. And we know that life is a little bit, it's, it's, it's chaotic in its order, right? So there's order with the universe, but there's chaos in the way things and, uh, and, 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 uh, and situations kind of bump into us. And as, I mean, you're dealing with about seven, maybe even eight billion people on the planet, right? And so that's a lot of that's a lot of chaos. That's a lot of random, especially when you put in mix in free will, at least freedom of choice. You have a lot of this is this makes things incredibly complicated. Simply, yes, to 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 tackle the question. Yes, we can, we can absolutely come together, absolutely, if the right circumstances are in place. Let's just say if you're um, if you believe in evolution, you say okay. Then if somehow the evolutionary process is continuing, and we, for one reason or the other, you know, become a very the ego is somewhat wiped away for for what for for some reason, and the the dark things of humanity is just wiped away, and we became an, an incredible society of progress and love and mercy and so forth and and and, and ingenuity and, and hard work, but with you know, and, and dragging and pulling our brothers aside and working together for each other's good, for the common good. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would, we, we, would, we would come together and we would change the world. Hell, we'd probably be living on Mars in the next few days. But that's not, as far as I know, as far as I know, that's, if that's gonna happen, that's not even anywhere near, you know, the horizon. And right now human beings are, incredibly chaotic, incredibly unkind, incredibly self-centered, incredibly um, self-obsessed, incredibly foolish, incredibly uneducated, incredibly quick to make enemies and quick to love the fact that they have enemies. So no, hell no, no. Human beings cannot come together right now unless something intervenes either in our genes even if, even if there was a common enemy, let's just say that aliens came and invaded us, and we all the world had to come together and fight the race. Fight we're not, we're not ready. No, I don't see us doing that. No, no they, 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 <laughs> we wouldn't. If all, all it takes is for one country to say, "Oh, we're not sharing a specific information with this country," because at the end of the war, we we want to have a we have want to have upper hand. Then another country says, oh, no, forget that crap. We're not sharing our information with y'all so that at the end of the war, your upper hand, you know, <laughs> we can match your upper hand with an even bigger upper hand. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's so it's amazing that you're saying this because I, I did do uh, an episode about what if aliens came uh, to Earth. And you'll notice in all of the science fiction movies, 
the aliens all speak the same language and they're all on the same page, right? When the aliens invade Earth, same language. There's no like, oh, I'm from East Mars and I'm from West Mars. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, we're from the planet Mars or we're from the planet Venus or Excelsior or whatever it is, right? They're all on the same page. Whereas we're not, as a planet, not on the same page. It would be so easy for aliens to divide us. So easy. You know, you they could probably yeah. just trick us into killing ourselves. They don't even need to lift a finger. Listen, if anybody who's been married will tell you that, listen, a Doritos commercial could divide you. All right. A Doritos commercial could divide you from your spouse. Okay. So <laughs> let's just say we, we are not the emblem of, you know, of cooperation. Or, or, you know, we are not the, em- we're, we're not the picture, the poster child. Of, of of working together, let alone you know, let alone something great, grave, something grand like uh, like an alien invasion, something like uh, I'm 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 super surprised at what we're capable of doing. You know, some I I, I remember seeing here in a situation where somebody's somebody a man had died and left his uh, left some money to his children, and it was a lot of money. It wasn't some money. It was a lot of money. It was an, it was a good amount of money for all of them to share. And live comfortably for the all for the rest of their lives, and still have a bit a bit more for their for their grandchildren. And uh, they were squabbling and fighting. This this is something that if shared equally, everybody would have done just fine. But they were all squabbling and fighting and trying to grasp for more. These are yep. brothers and sisters, right? Aunts and uncles and so forth. But brothers and sisters mostly because they're the ones who you know inherited the large portion of it. You know, it's amazing that you're saying that, and I think it's an amazing segue to to what I was about to say in that when I was younger, I used to think that sociological reasons were the culprits behind evil. So, oh, well, you know, these people are, are acting fiendishly because they're poor or they're uneducated, but evil runs across all stratas, you know, because, because in, in that example that you just gave, I assume the people that are going to get this inheritance, they're all wealthy, right? They're all wealthy. And their parent or grandparent or whoever is leaving that inheritance is like, I am giving you so much money that you can sit on your cushy behind and play video games for the rest of your days. And yet they're still fighting amongst each other for just a little bit more of that slice. So I, I believe that like, you know, this selfishness isn't just restricted to like, oh, well, if we just educated these people or, oh, well, if we, um, you know, ended poverty, you know, all of that would be resolved. Because in your case example, in your, in your case in point, even when resources are abundant and perhaps even like close to infinite, people are still being petty and squabbling and throwing each other under the bus and doing incredibly vicious things to one another. So that's why I'm getting to a point now where it's like, like every man, woman, and child needs to conquer their own, their own soul before we as a, as a species can kind of start moving forward at this point, you know, now I'm not saying that we should just pretend like poverty doesn't exist and just ignore like, of course, we should be doing everything in our power to end hunger, to end poverty, to end homelessness, you know, obviously, we should be doing those things. But I think at the same time, every man, woman and child needs to be conquering their own soul. If we if we if we expect to last on this planet. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been we've been working on poverty for quite a while. I don't know how well that's going. The war against poverty, 
war against hunger. I don't know how well that's going. You would think that it would be going well and that we'd be coming to a close. There'd be a, there'd be a, a chart somewhere on the, on the calendar saying, okay, by this day, we expect uh, every mouth to be fed and, uh, and every, uh, everyone we've been, you know, every, every one of these uh, people and countries and we've been working with to be, you know, uh, to be well off. Well, it doesn't sound that easy now, is it? Here's, here's the thing about history. Our earliest civilizations grew up near uh, river valleys, Tigris, Euphrates, Nile, and so forth. Every so often, these rivers would overflow and there would be a famine, legitimate, what I call legitimate famine, like, hey, our crops have been destroyed, it, or there'd be a drought, it hadn't rained in a long time, and there would be a legitimate famine and people would starve to death. And tough choices had to be made because there was a legitimate famine. You had, you know, someone had to make tough choices. Kenny, look at the millions of, look at the tons and tons and tons and tons of food that we waste in this country. That we have enough food to feed everyone probably like five times over. It's a joke. It's a joke, Kenny. It's not, it's not, it's, we're not living in, river valley like this is not ancient egypt and it's nile river it's like oh my goodness we had a drought no we have enough food to feed everybody and yet people are starving to death right now in north korea people are starving to death in all sorts of parts of the world and it's not a legitimate famine it's not a real famine based on the nile river it's based on our own greed and evilness and we have to conquer this, man. Like we, there's, I don't see, and there's no policy, there's no corporation, there's no politician. No one is going to come in there and fix this. This is a human nature issue. It's a human nature, it, Aaron, human nature can't be changed. I'm like, <laughs> guess what? Anyone who says human nature can't be changed, you're basically saying we're gonna go extinct, end of story. So we have, we have, we, we have to change our human nature or we're going extinct end of story there's no there's no like oh he, we just this is the way we are it is what it is let me uh, i'll have a bud light no it's like you've got to change the human nature if the human being does not change we are going to go extinct end of story it's the end of the story because again in the past when we had river valleys man there's just not enough for everyone understandable and tough choices were made we have enough for everybody. It's all bullshit at this point. Well, that's the thing, Aaron, is that as much as as much as I do agree, I do agree with you that it's these days it's often it, it might as well be an artificial famine. It's a, it's a man-made famine in the sense that we could do something about the world in a very large and very swift, you know, possibility for a swift way. But we don't. We don't because we have specific countries that we are loyal to, specific people that we put first at the head of others. We have our interests, we have national interests, we have, um, we have self-interests. And our national and self-interests are often against um, spending large amounts of your own money, resources, and so forth, in order to deal with anything that has to do with people outside of your country or of yourself. Because if you do expend, end up spending so much of your resources, Let's just say that, yeah, you, one country ends up spending a lot of its resources on another. And uh, let's just say it's able to achieve an incredible, incredible amount of work. 
and uh, does, it, does a lot of good. Um, but it's now low and it's weak and it's waiting, um, uh, trying to rebuild and, and replenish its own storehouses. Uh, what's to stop another bollocks nation from coming in and taking advantage of them immediately and doing some, doing the ungentlemanly thing of, you know, attack, kicking them while they're, while, while they're, you know, cold down and naked. The, the idea, the idea that people can't change is bollocks. I think people can change. People absolutely can change. It's, it's what's, that's what choice is about. Choice is about change. It's it choice is about growth. Um, and it's about transformation. And then if, depending on your, your own religious and philosophical views, um, many of them adhere to change. Many of them preach change and preach transformation. And uh, here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem that I see. It's not that it's too complicated. It is, but that's not the problem. We've dealt with complicated things before in our history. We've dealt with, we deal with complicated things every day. So there is too complicated is that there is, I do agree with you that there is something fundamental about, a hum, about the human nature, something, something fundamentally broken, strange. And that's it. That's the most powerful thing you're gonna to have to face. Now, whether, you, whether or not as a human being you can face it is another story. I think that humans, are, as much as we are capable of good and change, we're capable of the most destructive and the most unkind and the most wicked and most selfish of ways. I think that the human being's ego <clears throat> and desire to please his own self will stop at nothing until he achieves what he wants to achieve. Something even as simple as a kid reaching for a cookie when he knows specifically well his father and mother had said, don't reach for that cookie. Because the story is all this time. Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We ate from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And this is, if you believe in it, this is God speaking to man, him who has the authority to speak. And the one, it's like a king saying to a slave, don't, and yet he did. If we have the authority, if we had the balls, the cojones to disobey the king, then what the hell's a peasants or a knights to us? I think that we are, I don't mean to sound pessimistic about the world. No, I'm not pessimistic about the world. I have hope for the world. I am pessimistic about humanity in the long, in the long term. I know, I know that in, in the large portion of the world, I, 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 and I, I want to believe this, that there are many good people, many kind people, many people who are willing to say, you know, give you the shirt right off, you know, off their backs and, and help you if you need help. And, but we find that those in power, those who actually have the actual power, are, are often not this kind, these kinds of people. Find that those who are, and that's not to say that people without power are good. No, 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 no. People without power are often good because they don't have power. And they haven't been tested. They don't know themselves. And so they, they're like, uh, how you say, uh, not, all, not, not, not in every case, but in all, often, it's like a person who, is, who, who simply waits for his moments to pounce. You know, he obeys the laws, he smiles, he does what is right until you declare that the purge is an actual thing now. And now come the chainsaws and the, and the, um, and the whips. I would say that, um, yeah, people, it, the, the fundamental problem is people. And uh, yeah. Yes, there's a, a lot to unpack. And I actually, I appreciate your objections because I, I want to make sure that this argument is as strong as it possibly can be. And, and your objections are, are 
I love them. Thank you. Okay, let's. Uh, there's a lot to tackle here. So, the first thing I want to say is that I think we have a greater potential to do the right thing because it's not necessarily a zero sum game anymore. So, mm -hmm. if you were, let's say, a peasant in feudal Russia, okay, you're a peasant, it's feudal Russia, and someone mm -hmm. comes along to you and says, Hey, my brother, give up your piece of bread to that person over there. You're going to starve to death, but that person is going to live. That's a tough moral choice to make. You're like, you want me to give up my own bread? I starve to death and, and this other person lives. You, you would have to be operating at the highest altruistic level in order to make that kind of deal. Whereas I think today it's changed a little bit because the morality we're asking of people is not zero sum game. It's like chances are if you gave up your un, you know, the, uh, if we gave up our uneaten muffins, our uneaten bread, our uneaten fast food or whatever, we're going to still be fat and we're still going to be well fed. It's just that someone else is also going to be well fed. So I think that the fit, the, the, the laws of nature have changed a little bit, whereas we have the capacity to act in a more altruistic way without us personally starving to death. So I think that that kind of changes the landscape a little bit more because we're not asking, like in ancient times, you starve to death, give, give up your, give up the last of your food so you can starve to death and that person can live. It's like, no, no, no. Uh, you see that pile of trash over there. We're just asking you to like donate that. And you're still, you're still going to be fat and you're still going to be well-fed and sitting in an AC apartment. It's just that someone else thousands of miles away is, is going to be well-fed now. So I, I think on that issue, um, you know, like it, it has changed a little bit. I, I, I hear your example of like, there's this idea that like human beings won't even um, obey God, right? And and there's so many references in, in this in the Bible. Like I think of the, the ancient Hebrews, you know, like they literally hear the voice of God and they're still building a golden calf. They're still acting like a stiff necked people, right? I want to share this interpretation with you. And I'm curious to see what you think. There was this one rabbi I was listening to and he made the uh, he made the argument that secretly God wanted us to eat from the the, the tree of knowledge. And, and here's his argument. He said, God is all powerful, right? He can do anything he wants. God can do absolutely anything that he wants. So he could have easily sent an angel or someone to just prevent Eve from, from taking that, that fruit and just put it, put it like, no, no, I'm all powerful. You're not eating from that tree. Or he would never have put that tree in the garden to begin with. Like he, he would never have put the tree, he didn't have to put the tree there, he chose to put that tree there. So I think he, this rabbi was saying that he, God secretly wanted us to eat from that fruit because he knew, he knew that over the course of thousands of years, we are capable of handling the journey. Like he has faith that we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna fall down, we're gonna bruise our knee, we're gonna break a few teeth, whatever it is. But he knows ultimately that we're capable of handling the journey and actually becoming like coming becoming these altruistic creatures that we were always meant to be. And I think it's just a question of like not giving up on that. And, and I think that 
the circuit, the landscape has changed in such a way that we're, we're so close to getting there, my friend. Like we're so close to getting there because we're not even asking people to give up their own comfort to, to benefit someone else. We're just asking people to surrender their surplus comfort in order to benefit someone else. So yes, we as human beings are stiff-necked. Yes, we are stubborn. Yes, we, we blatantly disobey God. But I think God has faith in us and he has the confidence that we can get past this. Well, I'll say that's, I would say that, that the idea, the idea that, um, that the, let's just say that's uh, the idea that he knew is something that I can't get behind because it, it's contrary to many things. Well, two things that come to mind. It's not, not many, two things. The first thing is the nature of the nature of the will. That idea is contrary to the nature of the will because in order for there to be, if everything in the garden, let's just say, just, just let's say the garden was some sort of an experiment, right? If everything in the garden was good to eat and everything was perfect and fine, and there was no contrary, you're dealing with a you're dealing with a brand new creature. A creature you had just created with choice. You had given him to choose as you choose. You'd given him the, the will to say yes or no, to turn to, turn away, to love or to hate. If everything was lovely, if everything was yes, 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 then where does choice come in? There had to be, there had to be for us to be actually autonomous, for the for the autonomy to be actual, there had to be the contrary. There had to be the possibility to say no. Without choice, autonomy is only an illusion. It's an illusion. The second is, it's a very, it means that God is morally bad. It means that God is morally bad. Because why would you, why would you allow, say, do this, I intend for you to do this, but don't do it. And when you do, when you do, do it, I'm going to punish you for doing it. God is very bad, very bad. That's dangerous God. That's Loki. That's the trickster God. That's the God who comes and gives you an apple, but in the middle of the apple is a deadly poison. And so those that idea is to me, it's those it's not it's it can't be because there are not only there there are more reasonable and more how you say um more coherence. Um, reasons behind that. And when it comes to human beings giving each other things, I'm all for it. When it comes to human beings sacrificing for one another, I'm 100% all for it. But here's what I know. Just like the garden having the, the garden um, um, needing choice to exist, needing to needing needing to uh, uh, an opportunity to express autonomy. So even here, there is a need that we express autonomy, because when my stuff is taken from me to given and and forcefully taken from me and given to somebody else, it may be a good thing. That person may rejoice absolutely, but then it's not love. It's not love. I did not give him the things. It was taken from me and given to him. And if we know anything about human ego, you're, what you're building, what you're creating is a contrary. 
You're creating a you're creating a contrary idea. And this is how it all starts. Somebody says, well, I don't like this system where my things are being taken from me and given to somebody else. So I'm going to create a new system. I'm going to rally all the people around me who want a different system. And then we have a, you know, a new political group. And then there's going to be fighting for a while until somebody takes the stage. Without love, and I'm talking actual love, intelligent love, a love that understands it is going to be very difficult, near impossible for people to come to, to work together, to come together, to understand one another. Because let's say that it, my actions towards my neighbor, that person who was suffering was from my own, my own jellies. It was from my own choice, conscious choice. I say, you know what? I have two, I have two sheep, two goats. Why don't I keep one from your family? And I give the other one to that, to that person who is there suffering. Without them asking, they didn't even have to ask me. I just give it to them. Well, then it's done. The transaction is done. The love has the love has communicated love to the to 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 the recipient of the love, and the recipient of the love will in turn communicate love back to the um, to the giver of love. And then and so what happens is there's a togetherness right there between one and two together. And there is no. There's no, there's no desire for nobody's there, between them. There's nobody trying to do a contrary thing because it's love. Love brings us together. Love mends it. It often mends the heart. It often builds bridges where you know bridges weren't uh, between humans, where bridges weren't wasn't able to be built before. But when when an, when a third party, when a third party that is not love, that is not love or loving, steps in to do the right thing all hell breaks loose. Okay, this, I, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, I, I think you're, you're making some really good objections. But let's, let's go with the, I'm going to go all the way to the other, to the counter. I'm going to just play devil's advocate and go completely on the counterweight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's assume for a second Yes. That human beings are so stiff-necked that yeah. they act defiantly, even in the face of God. Like I'll make I'll make this argument. Suppose there was a dude, right, who could fly. There was a guy who just you know you saw on CNN. There's a guy who can fly. He could bring people back from the dead. He could do all sorts of miracles. The argument would be, well, there's still going to be people amongst us that are so stiff-necked that they're going to, oh, but no, man, it's, it's all just an illusion, right? So, like, if human beings are that stubborn, if, if we're that stubborn that in the face of miracles, in the face of, uh, of, of God, we would still do whatever it is that we want, right, and still be stubborn, then there's truly no hope for humanity. You know what I mean? So, like, if if... If like we are so stubborn that even in the face of God, we're still going to do whatever it is that we want and still be selfish, it's really game over for our species. So I'm going to argue that we have to get better. Like we don't have a choice. Like we have to get better because there, like the intention of us is to get better so that we just universally accept we need to be good. We need to obey. And Perhaps this process, like this process of us right now, is kind of figuring it out on our own. And I'm going to explain this in the analogy between a father and a child. Mm. Okay? A parent 
can tell a kid, don't do drugs, don't do this, don't do that, don't date that girl, right? The father can say all of this stuff over and over and over again, like don't do this. But the child has to experience that ugliness themselves. They have to actually, you know, have their heart broken. They actually have to be betrayed by their friends and they have to go through all of this wickedness so that they themselves on an internal level intuitively understand why that thing is wrong and why this other thing is right. So I'm making the analogy that maybe the relationship between God and man is that God knows that he can't just tell us, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this and that. God knows that we have to kind of learn the hard way so that we intuitively understand good and evil because him just telling us don't do this and do that, it's not enough. We have to actually go through all of this hardship so that we can arrive at that level of intuitively understanding why that is it's good and why this is bad because we have the experience to kind of tell us so yes i can i can see i can see your point i can see your point and like the analogy with the father and the daughter or the son the hope is that but the father does know and understand and the kid will not listen before before long I mean, I, I, we've all experienced, at least I've experienced this, where I look back at my life and I say, well, my dad knew what the hell he was talking about. He wasn't there in the room with me. He didn't hear me say that, but I acknowledged that. He knew what he was talking about. He wasn't this random, crazy person who was trying to stop me from doing things that I wanted to do. He was wise and understanding. He was, he was, um, he was better. He was a better human being than me. He was trying to impart some of his um, wisdom and trying to give me something that I wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't receiving. But now I understand. Now I know without a doubt that he was right. And so often it's hindsight. Often it does the things that we, we never listen until it's too late, you know, until it's too late. But, but hopefully, hopefully there is a, there are some of us out there that we don't, we're not as stubborn and as foolish as Kenny. And uh, we'll listen when, when the time comes. And uh, even to this podcast and, your, and, and the things you, you mentioned to me there, um, because it's, it's, the hope is that it, can be, it, it, it will be helpful in the long run. Because pe- people will ask, like, you know, does God want us to suffer? It's a really good question. Like it's a good question. Like, you know, does he want us to suffer? And I think ultimately, ultimately he doesn't want us to suffer, but I think at the same time, he knows the only way for us to truly know, know thy good, to know the good is through that suffering. Because it's the same, it's the same process between that father and that child where it's like, you can verbally tell the child, this is good, this is bad, but until the child has actually undergone suffering themselves, they will never have true knowledge of what it means to be good. Yeah. And I, I, this, 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 like, on one hand, this sounds very dark, like, you know, oh man, we're meant to suffer. But I'm like, if we use that suffering as, as a, as a, as a, as a tool to get better. Like, we're not just like, if you like, the, and this is kind of where the theist kind of separates himself from the atheist in a way is that the atheist will say, 
I'm just suffering. It just sucks. It's random. It's just painful. Whereas the theist could be like, hey, man, this suffering, it's getting us to a higher level. It's getting us to a more moral place. All of these bruises, all of these scratches, all of these scars are going to ultimately, in the end, make us better. Good luck with that, theist. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, I, but, but like, what sh- like, at the end of the day, what choice do we have but to believe in that? Because if we don't believe in that, you know, we're go- like I said on, the, on our very last episode, you know, which I uploaded, um, you know, just a little while ago, we're going to destroy ourselves. We're, we're going to destroy ourselves. We, we've got to we've got to embrace this suffering as a means to becoming more moral, compassionate, and to truly know the good. If we don't do it, we're going to destroy ourselves. And I, I think that, like on one hand, there are people, there are exceptional individuals in our society right now that are coming together, that are, for, and, and I'm like. I'm not going to lie to people and say I've mastered my own ego. That would make me a bold-faced liar if I dared say that. I don't think any human being on the face of the earth has mastered their own ego. I think anyone who tells you otherwise is just a lie, is a liar, is a liar. But I think that, like I said, we all need to be making that incremental, incremental 10%, 15% better effort, come to the good, master our own egos if we expect to survive. And I think I think I think we're at a breaking. I think this planet is at an absolute breaking point. That if we don't start doing that, we're not going to survive. And I think God is rooting for us. He wants us to survive. He really does. He really wants us to survive badly. But if we don't start doing these things, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I wish us the best. I really do. I hope that we can we can figure out our crap, but. I'm still very pessimistic about the world, about humanity, but I still do believe that even in among, amongst the, that there's still hope for us. What that hope is, it's a different story, but I, I, I hope the best for us. So to kind of to kind of close out, I always like to go with like because we're we're right now you and I we're dancing on the clouds we're dancing on the clouds like I guarantee you there's people who gave up on this conversation at the 30 minute mark saying these guys these guys are like dancing on the clouds I gotta get out of here I I gotta go I gotta go back to my bitcoin right now and (laughs) and get away from this so for those who for those listeners who did stick to the end what are some practical steps that we can take to get people to kind of start dismantling their own ego. Is there any, is there any advice that you have, maybe some mistakes or some things that a young Kenny made that, 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 that people can, can follow or some, some, some kind of pathway that people could follow in dismantling their own ego? What do you think? Uh, so knowing me, I would say no, because uh, I think it's going to be very individual. A lot of it's different people have different things touch their egos. You know, it's like for some people, for some it's their money, for others it's their you know their bodies or their their career. Some is they just don't like being insulted or feeling insulted or feeling like people have turned their backs on them. So it's it's going to be different. Um, and but it's in I'll just say this this the, this is the best that I can do. You just know, it's it's important to just know 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 who you are, and and know the things that know those kinds of the things that are that really get you riled up, and uh, at least start from there, and let's see how it goes for you.
one one thing I will kind of say is that there's actually a little bit of selfishness that I think uh, people can employ here. I think I think when you start paying attention to others, you'll notice your own afflictions begin to dissipate. Because I, I think that when you're caught up in your own ego and your own world, you feel a lot of pain. Yeah. Right. You you you're you know you're worried you're you're constantly in a private hell of. I'm worried about myself. Will I have enough food to eat? Will this, or like I have back pain, but as soon as your mind kind of gravitates onto another, your back pain goes away. Your, your financial worries seem to, to disappear because you know that you just, you stop thinking like if you stop thinking about yourself, you're kind of living in heaven in a way because you're, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not held down to the ground with these like heavy weights. So I think that there is a little bit like through selfishness in some way, in some paradoxical way, through selfishness, you can actually start becoming a bit more selfless. Kenny, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, Aaron, thank you for having me. This concludes the 153rd episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azra.